Good afternoon. Hope you can all hear me okay. I'm Jack Chew. I join you weekdays, 12.30 till 1, to chew it over, often with my friends and colleagues um, who are the actual experts in this game. And we discuss whatever's important and topical in the world of MSK. And one of the reasons that we do it at such a frequency is partly because you guys seem to be enjoying it. Here we are, like episode 120-something, which is brilliant, but mainly because we don't want to be pausing when the momentum is with us. And this is a perfect example today's show is that um, I've known of some work that's been going on in the background, but then when it gets launched, the opportunity to then write, let's get a date in the diary and do it. And my friend and colleague, Richard Collins, is able to join me at a moment's notice. I think we were DMing on Twitter and we were celebrating the news that the uh, Faculty of Sports and Exercise Medicine has uh, come up with an, an MSA diploma exam that, uh, that I want to talk to him about on today's show. And so fortunately, it was available today. And here we are just trying to make sure we shout about loudly and proudly about that work. And for me to find out a little more about how it came about, because I know some of it. I know they sort of um, I, I obviously heard, heard the rumors and, and obviously was supportive as I could be on the quiet. But now that it's out there and, and, and the response has been brilliant. So I wanted to get stuck into that with Richard. Thank you so much for those that have joined me this week and, and uh, chewed it over with me. I've definitely enjoyed the fact that uh, this week I purposely didn't have many guests on. Um, in part because I needed to just re you know, catch back up with you all. And so the fact that participation remains high is brilliant. So please do join us in the chat and the, and the uh, if you are tuning in live. Most of you then tune in after the fact, and so don't be shy to get in touch on the socials. We do read those, and they do inform future shows. But also email info at physio-matters.com if you have anything you want to say about the show, if you listen to it on the audio podcast, which goes out after the fact. But without further ado, hopefully the technology behaves itself. And I can bring you in a, in a couple of clicks, Richard Collins. Rich, can you hear Hi. me? I can hear you very well. Can you hear me? I can indeed. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, especially as I said, it was late notice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, Thanks for having me. <laughs> no bother. Now, we were just saying uh, just before we went live uh, about how it's funny how this is a, it's an ongoing conversation between us and many others over the course of, of years. And we also don't want to count our chickens, but this does feel like progress in, in recent, yeah. in recent times. I'd no, say 18 months, two years, it feels like we're, the momentum is in our favor. Yeah. Now, can we, can you give a background quickly to yourself, but also to what we're on about there? What is it that we're saying we're making progress on? <laughs> yeah. I, so I suppose my own journey, my own history is part of the, the genesis of this. So I originally trained into general practice, sort of 15 odd years ago 16 years ago um and i was just working as you know, your classic frontline gp and developed an interest in msk back when you know we didn't have all these sort of frameworks and accreditation competency processes um so i went and i did some postgraduate courses and i learned some msk and i was working in my practice as like the msk doctor um, and then that sort of one thing led to the other. And I ended up working in a uh, local sort of community musculoskeletal service as a gypsy, as we called them at the time, and working alongside physios who were working in that ESP sort of model. Um, and as I was doing that year on year on year on year, you sort of became aware that, you know, um, where is the competency framework here in myself? It was like, you know, how do I know I'm a good doctor doing this? You know, how do I bench myself against benchmark against other people? At that time, I was becoming aware of what was going on in sports medicine. So, you know, sports medicine is a specialist uh, sort of a, a training program. I was thinking, well, how do I know I'm, I'm good compared to them? So I suppose it was just this kind of dawning realization of myself around 
validating myself in that framework, in, in that environment, and then the colleagues I work with, um, them saying the same things to me. So working alongside physiotherapists who were saying identical things to me. So around about 2015, 2016, um, I, I suppose it was a bit of a threshold moment where I sat down and I said, okay, you know, um, do we need to have some form of syllabus or curriculum around what I'm doing here in this kind of work. So I sort of wrote down a very early draft of you know going through condition by condition. Um, and I, I was looking really at the core medical knowledge. So I wasn't as interested in sort of higher level functioning and practice and the more the psychosocial elements per se. I was more focused about how do you assess a frozen shoulder? How do you manage it? What do you do with it? Um, and so I sort of I, I did that and then the conversation just started to grow and I, I got involved in you know wider conversations that were going on in the faculty of sports and exercise medicine at that time um, and they showed a real interest in in doing this and then the primary care rheumatology and musculoskeletal medicine society uh, one of these sort of multidisciplinary specialist groups out there in MSK they likewise through our friendships and our conversations um, became involved and so it just grew and grew and it, it was something that took many many years so you're probably aware there was, there was noise on social media about us trying to do something like this. Um, and it took about three years to really knock together a syllabus that we felt was representative of the work that we all do in this sort of way. Um, and the focus that we had very much was on the primary care interface community, certainly, but very much that first stroke, second point of contact. So when the patient's mm. coming to see you as a clinician, whether as a physiotherapist in private practice or in an NHS physio department or as a GP in a practice or as an FCP, you know, when they're coming with that, oh, I've got this painful stiff shoulder doc or physio or mate, what do I do with it? So it was trying to really kind of have that focus. You don't have surgeons next door. You don't have MRI on tap. You can't send them for an x-ray and come back in an hour. Um, you know, what, how do you manage those sorts of things? So we knocked together this sort of syllabus. And at, at that point, we then thought, OK, we need to now write some questions for this. And I think at that point, that's when probably you guys became even more aware of it, because then we put out a call for people to be involved in sort of writing questions with us. So we had um, Andy Cuff and you know some of the guys from Connect. And, you know, it was a lovely group of people that we managed to pull together in Birmingham over two sittings to really come up with some kind of questions. And then over the last year, writing those, refining those, editing those. Um, to the point that then we, we were able to have a question bank of 180 questions, a syllabus that we were confident in, and then the faculty in the primary care rheumatology and muscular medicine society, a bit of a mouthful, I know, um, finally saying, okay, we're going to launch this and we're going to do this, which is why now it's it's come out. Um, and I think what we're really excited mm. about with this is, is not just um, what it's assessing and how it's testing it, is that it's been a very MDT process in the creation. And we've really, really wanted it to have that MDT flavor. So there'll be questions that doctors will find very difficult to answer, but not difficult, but you'll have to have an understanding around, you know, rehab principles, not complicated, but, you know, how do you manage things conservatively? Um, it, it, what, you know, that physio experience, you know, understanding some of that, but likewise for the physio sitting it, they're going to have to do some reading around rheumatology. Um, and around peds because if you're an FCP sitting in primary care seeing patients first point of contact you know they can come to you with things that could be rheumatological and again it's not knowing how you manage that in detail but it's uh, how do you assess that how do you safety net that and how do you you know manage that safely mm. so hopefully this is the beginning of what I would love to think of is an MDT standard of, of benchmarking knowledge that we can then use as a community to move forward with 
Absolutely. Now, two things I want to reflect on from that that journey, which you've just summarized uh, far better than I would. I'm not known for brevity, as you know, so I'm glad you've been able to summarize it so well in like eight minutes of the show so we can really get stuck into this. But two things that I remember as to maybe um, ways in which the landscape feels like it's moved in, a, in what I would consider, we would consider a progressive direction is the, the MDT features that you're describing is because that argument has matured in terms of the fact that we, we kind of went through, it was so split, MSK medicine and MSK therapy at the very least, or particularly physios and doctors in that space felt felt like there was a there was a separation because of of, of discipline of, of pathway of, of career progression and stuff and then there was an argument that came surging through that was that well they're into hair's breadth between us and there's no relevant distinction there at all and therefore is this merging which ended up being that therapists physios fcps oh, sorry fcb esps at the time would just surge their medical skill be that injections prescribing diagnostics etc as if that there was sort of badges that could be accrued which would then bridge said gap and therefore well it doesn't matter you know i'm working shoulder to shoulder in such a way that the identity piece just falls away we know that it didn't fall away nor should it have done and then the, the conversation seemed to be it was over split then it was over lumped and then we kind of grew this sense that the distinctions are sometimes relevant, but essentially the competency framework, there's a someone with a sore bit or a sore body, yeah. a sore person, is then presenting to someone and that fundamentally we want the, what's best for them. So yeah. let's grow up and stop this, uh, these identity issues and start thinking about what would be the solution. And this is what's been born of it. So that's, that's one of it. And the second thing is that, that, that both sides of that, or now the team, are now bothered about the fact that this stuff is sometimes multifactorial and you've got some people that need to improve their system based thinking for, like you said, what are the other um, underlying, what could be underlying this, what could be masquerading, you know, the, the sort of what would be considered medical triage side of, of a frontline role. And then there's the other part of it, whereas when that, when all these boxes are ticked and it is sort of barn door MSK, if you call it that, then we know that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a narrow biomechanical or biomedical um, contributors and that causation of pain in musculoskeletal terms is, is usually more, more complex than that. And so that maturity across the piece, both in terms of the interprofessional working, the MDT part of it, but also then this recognition that this, there's something more complex to it than just building pathways, like narrow clinical pathways, like mm -hmm. cause and effect style flow charts. It's clinical reasoning that's at the heart of it. What's the conclusion to that? competency frameworks that are trying to test how people think rather than just the conclusion they come to and this exam as well as then how it feeds in how it how it sort of maps onto said roadmap uh, from ahp uh, sorry the nhs england's uh, roadmap it's 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 for me exciting that those things i don't think could have got to where they've got to if there wasn't a maturity of the sort of social conversation yeah. that I'm describing over the years. I don't know if I'm over-attributing there or, or whether you'd agree no, with No, no, I do. And I, I know, you know, sometimes we accuse uh, social media of being like a bit of an echo chamber, but I do think social media mm. has contributed significantly to this. I mean, the fact that I met you, I met you first on Twitter, you know, that we then subsequently physically met <laughs> in a clinic in Litchfield or wherever. Um, but, you know, I think that that ability to have that conversation on social media that then has been widened to conferences. So you're at you know, MSKR and the conferences you guys have had. Um, I, I sense that that dialogue has just matured over five years. I, I agree with you. I think it, it has. You know, I've been involved in MSK for more than that. And I just feel the last five years just seems to have been when it's come together. 
And there's been grassroots mm. stuff like you guys, you know, MSK reform, you know, almost like a charter of excellence. You know, this is something I'm going to hold myself accountable to. And then you've got yeah. Amanda and her team and Neil, you know, Health Education England saying, listen, it's great that people kind of volunteer to sign up to a charter, but actually how are we going to hold people accountable? Uh, how are we going to have excellence? And then I suppose this kind of where we want to come in is how do we pull it together in a sort of an MDT way that's not necessarily Health Education England level accreditation, but is building this college. And I think a college, we talk about an MDT college, a college is a community, isn't it? It's where you have, and this is where for MSK, MSK is par excellence a MDT community. I mean, you know, if you had a room full of doctors seeing patients or physios, if that's all you've got, you've got this single professional entity and it falls flat. Um, so I think we want to build that MDT sort of space. So you know, we're talking to Amanda and her team. We've, we're talking to the Royal College of GPs. We've obviously got you know the faculty are involved, primary care rheumatology, which is an MDT organization. So I think this is it. We, we're trying to be a little bit like pulling it together. So I don't think you're overstating it. I think I do think the discourse has matured. Um, and I know that I'm a bit provocative at times on Twitter <laughs> about the things I say. Um, and I hope, I mean, this is a great opportunity for me to say that I don't say these things because I'm trying to be a troll or to stir up or anything like that. What I do is I have a thought and I'm, I think out loud um, and I love mm. debate and I love forming ideas through debate. So I'll come up with, you know, 280 characters. What do you think about X, Y and Z? And then you get the debate coming in. So I, I put something out fairly recently um, and I had a brilliant debate with Neil, Neil Angridge about this and go you know, backwards, forwards. Yeah, hopefully respectful, ironic debate. And I come off the back of that. I felt like that helped mature my understanding even more. Um, so I think this is only going to get better as we talk more together and we grow more. Mm. Well, it's it's not for, it, I, I think it's not for everyone, but there is something to be said. Like some people will, will suggest, well, that's, it, it, it's, it's needlessly public. And I think sometimes that helps to refine your thinking, refine your articulation. And the spectator effect is part of what you're doing it for, is that if you're willing to get an interlocutor that's going to be appropriately respectful, then essentially that, that dialogue is going to really inform that conversation. And th th then if it was done privately, then unfortunately so many different people end up having the same conversation privately, whereas at least that can be benchmarked. And at least for those that saw it, you know, a marker to then move things on from rather than always having to have the same conversation. I think that that's what happened is that we, we were able to progress it because more people were willing to talk about it and think about this in, in public. I think one of the things for us, which we've been accused for years now, Physio Matters before MSKR, but then similarly as MSKR grew as almost like a, a policy wing and then uh, obviously its own non-profit that stands alone now. But this idea of like, well, it's just an echo chamber. You're not really influencing it. It's like when I am in touch as I am with the numbers with regards to typical audience within Physio Matters, download rates across the entire piece of what our back catalogue is now of seven years of monthly broadcasts, as well as all the other stuff. You then do something like Therapy Live and you get 1,200 people even on one room of Therapy Live talking about policy for a day then that's a hell of a big echo chamber. That, right? that, no so longer then, is that an echo chamber, I agree. Well, it's like, I, I accept what people are meaning by that is, yeah. you know, it's, it's people with the same views. It's like, yeah, but if we're, if we're a broad enough church that that, that is sort of becoming a, becoming a majority based on the numbers, I don't mean like we're, we're in the, with the ascendancy or the majority view as if we're in, in, somehow that's inherently correct, of course. I'm enough of a contrarian skill to, to want to question that. But fundamentally, I think that what I what I would like to 
to make sure people start to recognize it. It's the reason why I think that this momentum is occurring, not because we're all talking to ourselves and persuading ourselves that, but the, if you look at the sheer numbers, how many MSK therapists, MSK and sports and exercise medic doctors are there that, that are paying attention to this stuff, that are starting to feel like they've recognized themselves enough in this conversation, that they don't have to agree with every single part of it, but they recognize that the general trajectory is something they're supportive of. That seems to be where the momentum is coming from. Not just a few random shouty people butting heads on Twitter. It's, it's far more than that. And the infrastructure that's emerging around it, including this exam, I think is evidence of that. And I think that the cynics that just think it's a, it's, these are pet projects, et cetera, need to sort of have a look at this stuff. And this is a perfect example for him to just touch base with the, the facts of the matter. Sit the exam as well, I would say. <laughs> I would too. And I, I think it's something you and I said before we went on air, which is we do this stuff and it's not like we just launch it and walk away. You know, this is not the final iteration. You know, this is an ongoing sort of process that MSK reform, what you're doing around there, this exam, we're throwing this out there. We want the community to shape this. You know, we want people to adopt this, run with this, grow with this. You know, I'd love to come back in 10 years and find it's taken on a a different life of its own and it's gone in a different direction. I'd love there to be this MDT college, you know, it's almost like I just feel like you've got to start somewhere. Uh, just coming back to something you said about sort of being provocative on Twitter, something that is, uh, is I suppose I'm not part of the physiotherapy world. So I guess I can say sometimes things that physiotherapists may feel that they can't say, but I have friends, very close friends who are physiotherapists, and they say things to me and say, but I wouldn't say this online or I wouldn't say this out loud. And, and one of the things, one of the things I often hear is, is there is a sense of, like an identity crisis around the advanced practice practitioner sort of thing where you have people who are really good at doing rehab they love that relationship with that patient that's their focus they don't want to be doing injections or sitting in a clinic room in a sort of a quasi biomedical kind of way um, they want to be prescribing they want to be doing the rehab but then they sort of say but I, I feel that's the direction the profession's going in and I feel under under pressure to do that and who am I as a as a therapist if all I want all I want to do is rehab and it's almost like there's a sense of in in, a, in an eagerness to grow and develop is there sometimes a, a leaving behind the core constituency and not saying you are incredibly valued too and I know, and I think Neil mm. was, he made this point really well, which is the the, the kind of the four pillars. It, it doesn't just cover, you know, doctor type functions. It, it is across the whole scope of practice. But it's just a sense that do we value that? Uh, I know we don't financially, and I think the NHS doesn't financially. But do we, as a community, do we value that that role? Because really, for a lot of therapists, unless, you know, you went into therapy and then actually thought, I should have gone and done medicine instead. For most therapists, that's why you went into therapy, presumably. You, that's the specialty mm. you wanted to work in. Um, and it's yeah. just a sense of honoring that and not getting sucked into new things that are somehow pulling people away from that core constituency. That was, and I suppose that observation of that is why I then say or said what I say. Um, because I just want to give voice to that a little bit. And then I will say these things, and then we all know you get the DMs, don't you, that say, thanks for saying that, thanks for saying that. And then people on Twitter say, I've I've never heard anyone say that. And you go, you should look in my DMs, because that's... The oh, absolutely. That, and that's and that's fascinating for me, is that over time, you, you, it seems to fluctuate, does that, as to as to how, how comfortable people are at saying that and how... 
and how it, it waxes and wanes in terms of that bravery and then people feel like they get shot down. I think sometimes people are thinner skinned than they possibly should be, but then other times I can see that it can be a bit vitriolic or it's an inference that there's something unprofessional about, about asking those questions. And I think that's something that me and you seem to have been fairly immune to over the years. I don't think we've ever really been been particularly phased by that. And I think there's something dispositional about that that then is not always a good thing. I think, unfortunately, there's a sort of typecast of, 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 of thick-skinned, brash individual that's willing to be wrong on the internet that, unfortunately, is a shame if they're the only ones that can speak up. But equally, those DMs do say, you know, that, that, that these are often people that are wanting to push us forward. It's, they're not saying, you know, I'm not saying it, nor should you. And I think that what happens is that people mistake the sense of what we're talking about there as being somehow inherently unprofessional because it's questioning the status quo, which is just hilarious, really, to people that want to to agitate for reformative purposes. It's not to agitate in order to regress back to something that we know to be unfair, unjust, etc. It's something that that is us trying to create friction so that there's some energy underneath progressive reforms. And and I think that what what excites me is that the the, the core accusation I am sympathetic to is that it's all talk. So when when tangible actions such as this, and obviously I would say things like the manifesto where we attempted to to manifesto for reform, where we tried attempted to codify some quite complex concepts, and and both this exam, all the current movements that are happening in faculty, as well as what MSKR was trying to say is. There's no one suggesting that this is the 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 final word on anything. No, exactly. It's a maturing conversation, but we can't bottle it and not actually make a stand as to where we think we're up to. And as long as these things are open to revision and are really genuinely open to feedback and aren't then being protective and everything we've accused others of being, then that is a sign of progress. And the fact that sometimes tempers might get frayed by the fact that some people want to conserve what was and others want to move faster that's that's just the nature of the beast, yeah. right? That's small p politics, and 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 we've got to kind of get over ourselves a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit? I'll bring some of the, some great comments coming in as well, but I, which I want to come to in a second. But can you just tell us a little bit about the exam and and, and its accessibility to a, a wide constituency? Yeah, so we deliberately wanted to make it as accessible as possible to people, everybody working in an MSK space. So it is for uh, anyone with a postgraduate clinical degrees, so nurses, physiotherapists, uh, chiropractors, doctors, uh, two years post-grad, so you've got to just have a couple of years sort of under your belt. Um, but that entire community are free to sit it. It's going to be delivered um, remotely, so you don't have to haul yourself to an exam room somewhere um, and sit there in a, in a COVID space. You can do it from the comfort of your own study. Um, and it's going to be 180 questions, um, single best answer with one minute. So you get a STEM, you get five possible answers that are designed to be plausible, each of them potentially plausible, uh, but one that is hopefully quite, you know, the, the, the clear sort of answer. Um, so 180 questions, 180 minutes. Uh, there'll be a gap in the middle because that's three hours of sitting in your study. You probably need a toilet break um, in the middle. And then, of course, the the, the mark, the pass mark is, it, it, I don't understand the science of this. There's a real science around exams and the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh are the body that are actually administering the exam on behalf of the faculty in the PCR amendment. Um, and so there's a kind of like a way that they, 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 they score each question. So if this question performs very badly, they can actually remove it from the exam. They can say that isn't because the students didn't know that or the, the candidates didn't know that. It's because the exam was, the question was a rubbish question. Um, and so it, there's a sense of sort of it, it, quality control happens even afterwards. Um, and then when you get the exam, you'll be uh, awarded post-nominals by the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh. So that in itself is, you know, that's something you can be proud of. You can put that on your CV. You can put it after your name. You know, my, my post-nominals are awarded by a 
specialist faculty. You know, so these things have currency. Um, and then what we're doing is we're working very closely with Amanda and her team at Health Education England, working with all college of GPs to sort of try and map this across those frameworks and, and rec recognize this is just one little piece of the, the, the project. This is a test of knowledge, 180 questions. You cannot validate competency in a three hour question on a, on a paper. But what you can do is, is benchmark a core level of knowledge, which then if backed up by work based assessments, portfolio of practice, logbooks, MSFs, you know, if you put it in the mix, you then build up a lovely mature package that then you can put forward for accreditation. Um, and so that was it. It was very much throwing out there something that we don't think exists. There are university courses out there offering MSK <clears throat> sports medicine uh, diplomas, um, but they're very varied um, in their curricula and, the, and they're not always relevant to primary care MSK. Um, we wanted to create something that was very tailored to that MSK space that Jack, you and I, a lot of our listeners will be working in. Um, and so that mm. that's the format. That's what we're, we're hoping it will get. And then we're looking that it will then hopefully grant you a membership of a joint MDT college, you know, and, and hence and hence. And it grows from there. Absolutely. No, it's, it's fantastic. And, and thank you again for, for that work and your team's work on, on building that. I'm just going to come to some of the some of the comments then. Um, one of the one of the big threads that's occurring, I think, here on Facebook is a guy called Adam Meekins feeling sorry for himself because he's been he's been uh, told off a few times on social media. So, Adam, if you want to come on the show and we can play a tiny violin for you about about the uh, experiences you've had, of which, you know, I'm sympathetic and I jest about. But um, he's basically making the point that uh, whilst being gobby is one thing, but unfortunately, when people make private things public and start to play malicious games as a means of trying to comfort people's licenses, it, it can get messy. And there is an upper limit to what we're saying, isn't there? With regards to where that agitation can go, is unfortunately it can get messy on either side of that. Yeah, so it's, a, yeah. it's definitely a, a fair point being made on the on the socials, and and certainly um, the people that the people that are, are most nasty are certainly ones that, that get passive aggressive and start using the system against. Unfortunately, Ashri's have been having some problems with the actual administration, which I imagine because it's a very new link that went out this week isn't it to register for the examination yep. she's just wanted to clarify a little bit about online modes of applying for the diploma yeah. <clears throat> that's something that's going to be sort of tidied up yeah absolutely absolutely i mean you know this this is like as we speak um, my colleague chris tomlinson um who's you know supporting me through the process he's on it with the with the college so watch this space it's a bit like when you when you launch these things there's always the gremlins isn't there <laughs> The little bugs you yeah. have to sort of iron out, but don't don't worry, we'll be on top of that and get that sorted. Brilliant. No, thank you, and thanks for the comment, Ashri. Yeah, a few people had uh, been in touch with me yeah, to just I've heard that. that. I've heard I know, that. I know that. I know they're on it. Uh, join me and Ashri next. She's actually on chewing it over next uh, next Thursday, talking about uh, vaccine hesitancy in the BAME community. So that's going to be a fantastic session. So please do join me and Ashri, and thanks for your comments today. Um, there's a few points uh, being made elsewhere with regards to how, the, the, and it's it's a fraught term I found on this show a few weeks ago or months ago where I said about AHPs is a, is a bit of an arbitrary there's, there's funny boundaries there with regards to that um, and I understand why that language is, is sometimes used but I, I, from what I understand it's it's uh, it's graduate MSK professions isn't it with yes. regards to which would yeah. include things like sports rehabilitators MSK chiropractors that sort of yeah. stuff right yeah yeah exactly right. okay. exactly I think you're right that I, I don't like that AHP term as if you're not a health professional you're an allied health professional it's like <laughs> we're all health professionals yeah i really well, don't it's, like it, it. It's, it's history is messy isn't it it's allied to medicine initially wasn't it and so yeah. that there's somehow but but you know if, if you're defining yourself is, you're then defining yourself in relation to another profession which is you know yeah, why yeah but the, but the, that's the, that's the thing the uh the, the psychologists aren't allied 
some for some reason. Pharmacists exactly. Don't count. Exactly. Exactly. Um, exactly. Non doctors, nurses. Um, but yeah, it's a funny one, and I definitely don't want to go there because that was bloody awkward to tidy up <laughs> after a show uh, a few months ago. But definitely, just for those that want some clarity, I understand sometimes that's a shorthand for other, and in this yeah. instance. That's a good thing. <laughs> you know, in yeah. this case, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not putting those boundaries. And, and this is one of the things that's exciting about it is that it's about quality competence, right? It's about making sure we aspire to these standards and that these things are credible. And so the fact that it is open is because we want to find that out. And, it, and if we find out that there is some relevance to uh, groups of which find these things more challenging than others, et cetera, then we want that to feed into the, the actual system and to understand why that might be. And therefore you think about what, if, if these thresholds that get made, start we start to recognize those features, then that is the thing that can really inform syllabus reform on undergraduate entry and postgraduate and, and, and all the things that kind of come under GP training as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's the, the thing that sometimes gets missed is that these aren't just lofty kite mark yeah. things, right? Yeah. These are things that can then help us to understand what's going on upstream. Yeah, there's a cascade, isn't there? There's a cascade. Yeah. When you realize, well, why aren't we, why don't our guys know this stuff? You know, we're not teaching it at the right level. So then, as you say, it informs undergraduate curricula and, you know, and then, but then the exam itself then takes on a different life, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's some comments that have come in across Facebook and Twitter, um, a couple on LinkedIn about, about what you'd said, which seemed to really resonate with a number of people about the NHS, you know, really being persuaded to as career progression to become more interventional uh, with regards to that um, diagnostics, prescribing, injecting, or administering particular things that were outside of a rehab scope and that people sometimes being squeezed out. Do you think that the sort of fact that those, some of those lessons have been learned by some of the powers that be and that the roadmap certainly reflects a more integrated model rather yeah. than a, an accruing of badges. Yeah. Do you see that, that, that hopefully those lessons have been learned? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, when, when the, um, the competency framework came out, a bit like when you, you read the syllabus to the exam and I read that and you're thinking, yes, Yes, <laughs> you know, we've been waiting for this for years. So it's only going to improve, which is so exciting. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. And thanks I know we'll, me, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully catch up at, at certain intervals, both privately and potentially publicly for us to make sure that this is something that we continue that. Because I do think, and I'm glad you agree, that there's some momentum behind this stuff. But yeah. it only continues if we all make sure that we don't end up making the mistakes that we've accused others of doing. Let's make sure there's transparency. Let's make sure there's openness and refinements that get made to these processes. But engagement with the materials, sit in the exam, helping to contribute to that feedback loop is only going to help so we've put the links in the description as well as in the comments so please do uh, pay attention to that and we're going to be promoting it through all of our channels in the coming weeks brilliant thanks jack nice one where can people find a little more about you mate on the socials because <laughs> that Mid sounds exciting it sounds like your twitter feed's well worth it you've uh, we've been selling it well haven't we on this show yeah absolutely there we are Sports med, what is it? Oh, is it sport, sport dot better? I changed it. I used to be linear pro, which was a bit rude. So then I've changed it to something else. <laughs> it's sport dot bedford. There we are. A bit more of a PC Twitter handle. See, he's maturing. We're with the conversations maturing. We've said there thanks a lot, mate. Really appreciate it. Speak again soon. Cheers, thanks, mate.